0: A note to the listeners, episode 41 contains some explicit language and mature content. Word nerd. Wordsmith. Wordy. Wordless. Oxford Dictionary says a word is a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing, used with others or sometimes alone. We say each one matters. No extra words is literature,
1: minimalist style. And we're getting you right to the story. Live action regrets. The new boyfriend picks you up for dinner. He's talking about his boss, and you're trying to figure out how to tell him that you're crazy. That you were crazy. Are crazy? And not in the wild, drunken sorority girl way, but rather in the federal government-sends-you-checks kind of way. The restaurant is nice, so you're instantly uncomfortable. The menu is a fusion of two ethnic foods you've never tried. The new boyfriend is talking about taxes, how his mother works for the IRS. It couldn't be more boring than this, but you forgive him because you like him. The thought itself, I like him, makes you nervous and excited. You might really like someone for once. You decide that the new boyfriend looks handsome, there in the low light, big ears, receding hairline, small teeth, but still, somehow he is handsome, and you are smiling, pretending to listen. It's November, which means you've been stable on medication for exactly five years, 60 months, though it's not something that people really celebrate. It's not like remission from cancer or sobriety, Nobody celebrates not being put in a mental hospital. People might celebrate getting out of a mental hospital, maybe. But after being out, most people try to pretend like it never happened. The new boyfriend wants to know about your day. If you like spicy foods, do you follow sports? Politics? Have you ever watched Mad Men? Do you ever smoke meth? Just kidding. The new boyfriend would never ask you that. You wonder what the new boyfriend's meth equivalent is, what he looked like at his lowest point. Sixty months, five years. You recognized the milestone earlier today at the gynecologist. She started with a question. Is there anything I need to know? You told her about one STD, then slowly, a second STD. The ones diagnosed at Planned Parenthood forever ago, when you were just a girl. She typed them into her computer. This says you have Medicare. That can't be right. You're too young. I do. I'm on disability for bipolar disorder. You're lucky. That's hard to get. You mean, like, hard to get for having mental problems? Yes. You don't know whether or not she put the two things together, the bipolar disorder and the permanent sexual infections. You try to believe there's a link. Most of the time, though, the word slut just echoes in your head, reverberating, pounding like a heartbeat. Slut. Slut. Therapists have tried to teach you to separate the behavior from who you are, how to convince yourself that you're not a lazy fuck, a whore, a flake, an egomaniac. They tell you you're a decent person. You try to believe it. Have you ever been hospitalized? The gyno asks. Yes, a few times. The new boyfriend is eating and talking while there is still food in his mouth. Maybe you won't tell him these things about you tonight. Maybe it's still too soon. Maybe you won't ever tell him. Earlier today, after the exam, the gyno squeezed your arm and it made you want to cry. She said you were doing good, that you had been through a lot, that five years stable for someone your age is impressive. In 10 minutes, the new gyno knew more about you than the new boyfriend might ever know. Now he's ordering dessert, but all you want is another drink and a cigarette. You feel like an imposter in your own life, a bad actress playing a character she can't relate to. He's asking how you take your coffee, if you like chocolate more than caramel, and do you want to come over? Yes, you do. After the gyno, you did cry, alone in your car in broad daylight. No matter how stable, there are consequences for past transgressions. There are maxed out credit cards, college transcripts filled with F's and W's. There are years lost, lapses in employment that raise questions. There's arrested development, metastasized anxiety, side effects. There are family members haunted by your actions, friends that won't talk to you anymore, fears real and imagined. In the parking lot, the new boyfriend is opening your car door. The roads are shiny and slick with rain. He's driving fast and you're wishing you were drunk. He holds your hand for a little while before placing it near his inner thigh. You take this as a hint and go down on him before he can ask. For you, it's a simple expression of gratitude. Your version of, thanks, I had a nice time. Earlier today, you cried in your car, and then you cried in the shower. Then you smoked a joint. You remembered walking with no shoes on in the city. How people looked at you. How they looked past you. You remembered how your hair had to be chopped off. How it was matted like a stray dog's then you thought about what normal means. Rain is beating down on the new boyfriend's car. He swerves into the next lane when he comes. You move off of him, wipe your mouth with the back of your hand. The car is steady again, moving faster as you both stay silent in the dark. That's when the shame hits. The new boyfriend looks confused when you ask him to take you home. By the time he's parked at your place, the rain has already stopped, In front of your apartment, the new boyfriend is squeezing your hand. You didn't have to do that, he says. It's nothing. I mean, that's not why I like you. You nod. For the third time today, you blink back tears. The new boyfriend has seen more of you than you realize. He wraps his arms around you. While he lingers at your front door, you think about time. How the next month will be 61 months. How the next year will be 6 years. Someday, you will say the things you need to, but for now, you can only say goodnight.
0: Hello there. Welcome to No Extra Words, the flash fiction podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. I love all the stories that I bring to you on the show. I honestly wonder sometimes if my narrations get repetitive i love this story because this story touched me because um but i will tell you when i heard the recording of Cynthia Romanowski's story i was sitting in my office i knew the story i had already accepted the story at that point for publication and i heard her recording and I was sitting at my desk in my office and when the recording ended, I just looked at my computer screen and said, wow, very powerful stuff that leads me, leaves me without words to really talk about how touching that story is. So I'm going to leave it there with just wow. The theme of today, it's hard to become a woman. It's hard to be a young woman going through puberty and approaching womanhood. It's hard, I think, for women in all cultures and all places. It's probably hard becoming a man, too. I don't, I've never done that, but I'm assuming it's also hard. But today's story is about two women on that journey towards womanhood and hitting bumps along the way and sort of what happens after those bumps. Coming up next... Meher Ali's story. And I want to give you just a little bit of historical context that Meher gave me. There's a historical site mentioned in the story, Ayodhya. And Ayodhya is a Hindu sacred site. It's believed to be the birthplace of the god King Rama. And in the 16th century, a mosque was built on the site, in the place of the old temple to Rama. And it's been disputed land for. A really, really long time. And in December of 1992, there was a riot, and a Hindu group took the mosque down. And it's the dispute has been long standing on, on both sides, and this is not a political conversation. But I did want to give you some context as to what's going on around the young girl in Meher's story. Meher was nice enough to help me through the Hindi pronunciations in the story. I want to say all credit for anything I got right goes to my hair and all incidents of tongue tie on my part are completely to blame, be blamed on me. So I hope you enjoy the story that's coming next and I will talk to you all next week here on No Extra Word. Meher Ali. The one who told us had green eyes, translucent skin, boy cut, and breasts full. No way, we said. Yeah, this is what happens, she said, not matter-of-factly at all, but amazed like the rest of us, as if it wasn't her but someone else who had broken the news. I'm standing above the toilet in our flat in Zed, feet apart, threaded, off-white underwear in hand. There's a stain— it should have been the color of mud, but instead is the vibrant red. I panic and throw the underwear on top of the tanky cistern. I debate whether to tell my mother or not and then do. She grabs a measuring tape and makes me stand against a wall as she measures my height. Iska tum abkapi lami hog. This means you will never, ever grow taller, she says. How did you find out? She asks. My underwear had a stain. Where is it? "'I threw it outside in the garden. "'Why did you do that? "'We have to find it,' she says, "'moving towards the dressing table to get a torch. "'The time is 8 p.m. "'We are out in the garden next to one of our bedrooms. "'Our flat is on the ground floor. "'My mother pokes around the bushes with a torch. "'I poke around as well, filled with dread, "'as if there is a possibility that the underwear will materialize, "'or that she'll get it out of me "'that I've thrown it on top of the tanky. "'After that, this happens.' "'My elder cousin brother comes to visit with an aunt who is travelling to the U.S. "'I have just used the toilet, and as he goes in he covers his nose with his shirt-sleeves. "'My aunt looks at him sympathetically. "'I'll forever associate my middle-class existence with looking down deep into the hole of an Indian toilet. "'We get robbed and don't know about it until my father decides to play music one night. "'The thieves stole the speakers and put back the outer cover so we wouldn't notice they were gone.' Our neighbors replace their green window screen that has Allah written on it with glass. We kids mock them, saying that they are afraid of the Hindu procession. That, it is rumored, will pass by our neighborhood in the following week. They are on their way to Ayodhya, people say. I grow breasts, but will continue to wear a chemise for the next three years, after which I start wearing my mother's bras without her knowledge. I hurt my knee in the park behind our flat, and it bleeds a warm red... My brother's golden-brown hair gets highlighted by the setting sun, and a person he loves but no longer knows calls him Gorbachev. My father cuts mine and my brother's hair on a Saturday, leading bitchy teenage girls who get beaten by their fathers to say, "'Is your father a barber, then?' A young cook who will go on to molest me shows me a chicken's heart and then slices it in half. I use dirty, wet, mosquito-infested school bathrooms and wipe myself after with my skirt. It gets all wet— I run to dry it out. We all do. My mother and I forget about the underwear. And, unless the new tenants have decided to replace the Indian toilet with a western one, it's still there, not dirty because dirt doesn't reach up there, the stain now fully absorbed into the fabric, protected by spider webs, an unopened present in a young girl's hands. Thanks for listening to the No Extra Words podcast. For more information on today's stories and contributors or to learn how to submit your own work, please visit us at noextrawords.wordpress.com. The best support you can give the show is to recommend us to your family and friends. See you next time.